Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And welcome back to Geek Town Radio. We are back with episode 96, and I have with me Russ. Hello, happy 96. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's, it's nearly your age, Dave. How about that? Uh, yes. <laughs> How's Thank that for you? <laughs> happy New Year to you, too. Yes, happy New Year, everybody. Geek Towners. <laughs> Yes, we are back for a new year and a new season, I guess, of Geek Town. This is, is probably that how the, you do it? Well, I, I don't know, you see. This is the longest break we've probably actually had. I don't think we've actually done a sort of two-week break before, because usually I put things out in between. So, yeah. so so the first 96 episodes count as one season then. Right. <laughs> you could just have bridged the gap and made it to uh, 100 there, couldn't you? Yeah, I could have done, really. But anyway, um, so yes, how... how have you been what have you been watching and doing whilst you've been off on your holidays i'm very very well dave you know in terms of uh tv and that i didn't watch much christmas tv i've got a lot to catch up on i didn't watch sherlock that was on new was it new year's day didn't watch that New Year's day yeah second didn't episode's wa- gonna uh went out um oh my life. yesterday as well uh sunday because we're gone in some monday so yeah i have missed i have missed two episodes of sherlock then uh we've been, I've, I've started um the new season of modern family started i haven't seen any of that yeah um, I think we're on episode two now. Three's on Friday, I think. Yeah, Tell yeah. you've been doing uh, video games, Dave. What What have you been video gaming? You, you might, you might, <laughs> you might recall last year. This time last year, I had for Christmas uh, the Uncharted collection. You know, the ah, first three, yes. first three Uncharted games, yes. and I played through the first one, and it was fine. And then I left it alone forever. And then this January, I played them all and finished them all, and they're really good, actually. Yeah, I love the final one. I think I'm not sure about the third one. It was seemed like so much of it seemed like this is this seems like it shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> no, I I like the ending to where it's the fourth one actually, isn't it? The um, oh, yes, yeah, that's you, the ending one. No, I haven't. No, no, no spoilers. No, no. So you haven't got you haven't got to the fourth one yet. No, yeah, no. no the, the, I I really like the, those three. Uh, I thought they were really good. Uh, the fourth one is brilliant. Would well. recommend. Definitely would recommend. Which I, leads yeah. me leads me nicely on to my uh, next game, actually, Dave. Which is well, I looked at the because there was a massive PlayStation January sale. You you've seen, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and they had Tomb Raider and Uncharted Four were both twenty quid each. Ooh. So I thought I'm going to buy one of these now. But then I saw Metal Gear Solid, which is a game I wanted to play last year, was only a tenner. So I went Metal Gear. 
And uh, uh, I think I definitely made a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, out of those, I definitely would have gone for Uncharted 4. My second was Uncharted 4. Number one would have been, I should have got Tomb Raider, really, because I know I'm in Tomb Raider. Like, I like the first one was good. So yeah. I'm in, but yeah, uh, and I'm, there's lots of lots of content with that one because it's like a special. It's because because it came out on okay. Xbox, then PlayStation. They put all the the stuff together. Yeah, it's uh, I I played the Tomb Raider game a little bit. I have got it. I need to go back to it. But Uncharted, I would highly recommend yeah. Uncharted Four. But to be fair, interestingly, between Uncharted One and Metal Gear. They're both now. I'm not a Metal Gear guy. I haven't played any of the others, so this could be this could be the whole series, or it could just be this one game. But they did this thing where which I hate in video games, which they did in Uncharted as well. And they kind of went, so you know you've been doing all this. Well, here's some zombies, so do that. <laughs> and it's like, well, this makes this makes no sense in regards to, like I hated that part of Uncharted 1 where suddenly you're underground and there's like zombie zombies, Nazis yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, it feels a bit, I mean, I, I get it with Uncharted because it's about like mystical yeah, elements yeah. and stuff. But with, with uh, Metal Gear, it's a bit, it feels a little bit out of place, but I don't yeah. know, it might be, it might be perfectly in keeping with the canon, but... Uh. Yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit out there. I haven't played is, Metal Gear for a very long time, so other, yeah. otherwise, it's fine. It's like a stealth game. I'm not really into stealth games, but it's like if you if you lose the stealth and you just want to shoot people, it works like that too, and it's good. <laughs> which is good, which is good for me because that loss of stealth happens a lot. Yeah, um, but you can still lose the stealth and get like a good mission rating, uh, right. which is good as long as you play it right. Yeah, which is yeah. good for me. That's good. So, so uh, no TV, any movies? Well, I watched. Uh, we watched um, Fantastic Beasts just before. Just before. Well, I might have mentioned it on last show. Probably not, though. I, um, I, no, I don't. I don't think so because I saw like, Fantastic Beasts just before Christmas as well. Oh, okay, it was a good movie. Very yes. good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's not Harry Potter, but it's it's, it's good. definitely not Harry Potter. I think the bit of the. I, I don't know whether to. It's not a spoiler. You know. Yes. I thought he came a little bit out of nowhere. I think that was the point, though. Because that sort of is a spoiler, I guess, but yeah. Okay, sorry, everyone. (laughs) Beat me, beat me. (laughs) Because it was like, there was a little bit of news at the start about this bloke. And then it's like, this is him. And you're like, sorry, who are you? What What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. really make... I don't know, as an antagonist, he seemed like pretty out there. Yeah. But yeah, then uh, what else? Star Wars. The Star Wars we watched. You know that? You know that's They've got this new movie, Dave. It's called <laughs> The Star Wars. <laughs> is this The Star Wars The Force Awakens? No, Rogue One came out and we oh, watched... Oh, Rogue One. Okay, one. yes, the new sorry, one. Sorry, it's not, yes. it's not the, it's the Star Wars story, isn't it? Yes, it's um, not the Star Wars at all. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a, Star a Star Wars story. Rogue One, yeah, yeah. So, what did yeah. you think of Rogue One? Uh, tell me what you think, and then I'll tell you because I have what what I believe to be an unpopular opinion. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, okay. I, I I can't I can't possibly tell you what I. Thought. <laughs> go on, go on. I thought I just didn't. I thought as a Star Wars movie, it wasn't as exciting or interesting, and the characters weren't as good as normal. And as a movie, movie, the characters weren't very good. The writing wasn't very good. The plot was quite samey. It was like. We've got to go to this place, but and get the thing. But there's a shield up, so we've got to take down the shield and then get the thing, which is like the plot of every Star Wars movie, right? Uh, so, what? What's your Twitter handle? Just so they know where to send the <laughs> no, abuse. No, I don't. Uh, it's, uh, at Geek Town UK. I think. <laughs> no, don't send it to at Geek Town. <laughs> don't Dave liked it. it. Don't worry, Dave liked it. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I, I I really liked it. I I think you're wrong, as as yeah, you rel- <laughs> you usually are, but. Um, um, no, I, I really liked it. I thought it was it it was very different for a Star Wars 
movie in it was, the... yeah it was very different and that's good <laughs> yeah, yeah and that that's that's good it's it's essentially a heist movie it's got a very dark ending to it i thought it was really good i don't know about that i don't the last half an hour is a heist movie the rest is like getting the gang together the, well yeah yeah but but i find it very hard to care about any of those characters yeah well it, it is difficult because you are only dealing with them as a one-off whereas maybe yeah maybe, maybe the, i didn't want to invest because i i know they're not going to be in four five and six yes so you know maybe so i i don't know and um alan tudyk i thought was brilliant as the robot as well <laughs> i again i didn't really i thought he was because normally the robots are okay in in, in star wars i oh, thought he's I love like, that. Yeah, no, I really like that. So, yeah, you're wrong, but, you know. Okay, okay. I was going to say something else right then. It, it, I tell you what it feels like. Um, do you not think that in the trailers and stuff, the trailers might be for a different movie? Because you see, in the trailers, you see much more of Forrest Whitaker than the 10 seconds he's on screen. And That is I, true, I, yes. I don't know, it feels very different in the trailers to what it ended up being, which is odd. I I don't know. I I didn't get that at all. Okay, um, that's fine. I, I I didn't get that. There are, I mean, it is fair to say there were a large swathe of lines that are used in the trailer which don't appear in the movie. Yes, at all. exactly. That is it's very like, true. There's that bit with the with the thing and the stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, good. But um, I mean, the 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 highlighted line about it's a rebellion. I rebel doesn't appear anywhere oh. in the film. Also, also, let's agree that those are terribly written lines. Those are bad lines. It's like, yeah, oh, I, I like are built on hope. Day. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, like, I tell you what i did like actually um but i, I thought, thought it felt a bit flat um actually was that forrest whitaker was in charge of like the guerrilla rebellion and it was it was nice to see that you've got the sort of star wars light and dark but also you've got on the light side there are also extremists and people who, who yeah, yeah. will go will go dark and i feel like as a movie that that's interesting i mean it didn't go very far but it's interesting but mm. star wars has always been a bit simpler than that it seems to me yeah, like yeah. there is there is these are good, good guys and bad. these yeah, are bad yeah. guys and forrest Whitaker, uh, his team uh, sort of muddy that up which i don't know canon wise annoys me but as a film i wanted to see more of that yeah i mean i i i think that's kind of interesting and i mean they've actually used sol guerrera on um the star wars rebels cartoon as well Ah, okay and interesting. he was he was in the clone wars cartoon originally that's where he comes from that's where the character comes from and then they brought him back in the most recent episode of the uh of the star wars rebels cartoon and mm. you start to see how the character changes in that's that as well. So it's all very cleverly kind of meshed mm. together. So I, I guess if you were really into it, you'd be like, oh, it's that guy from the thing. Well, there were a number of moments in that where yes. yeah, there was a number of little Easter eggs throughout the whole thing where they made those sort of references. I like the two guys in from uh, A New Hope, you know, the guys who were in a bar <laughs> and they brushed yeah, past them. Yeah, they brushed past them. That's really good. Yeah. No, yeah. it's good. I'd I, say- I, I tell you it. what else, as as something that I'm I'm finding far more positives than I <laughs> feel like I should. But you know the um the sort of religious force guy. Yes, I like the idea that he he's it like it's 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 a big thing and he's into it, but it's not like he's not chosen to be a Jedi. He's not yes. that guy. It yeah. wouldn't have, I mean, let's be honest, Dave. It wouldn't have killed them to give him like a laser sword or something, some sort of stick with la- with a laser running down. <laughs> it wouldn't have killed him. But, 
Yeah. And but I think uh, it's what, interesting. What about, what about Vader at the end, though? I mean, that's the okay, one that time. Was, yeah. yeah. Okay, that was great. <laughs> yeah. See, that was awesome. I also thought um, CGI Peter Cushing was very good. Yeah, it, slightly uncanny valley around his mouth and... Yeah, know, it, but, and I, but yeah. I think the problem with that is that he looks too real, arguably, and you're like, that's not that's not a real person because that looks too real. Yeah, I, the, it, isn't, it isn't entirely convincing, but it's it's certainly yeah. very, very good. And the, the, just the mouth isn't quite right. One of the issues with that is that either you could just get another person to play him. I think that would have been fine. I don't think anyone would have had a problem with that um and the other thing is he doesn't really need to be there like if you showed him if you showed him for a bit and then he went away for the rest of the movie it wouldn't be a problem i don't know i mean he, he actually he, interestingly he had more screen time on rogue one than he did in a new hope well exactly and it just feels like what i mean and, he, a, and he sort of does need and he does need to be there because you are talking about the building or, or rather the the first kind of testing of the death star and yeah, yeah. he and you have to see That's how his. he gets control of the death star sure that's his thing i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so he does need to be in it he's yeah. an okay. integral part of it and i think Retracted. that and i think that would have jarred given how the movie ends i think yes. that would have because it's so close to that was also good how it how it yeah. went straight through that was yeah. good um because it, it, it dovetails so much into A New mm. Hope, I think if you put a different actor in there, that would have really jarred from one to the other. Yeah, I possibly. mean, you could maybe have done it with CGI makeup. But then, oh, yeah, but I difficult. think one of, the, one of the problems you run into with the old Star Wars's, Star Wars's, um, the, th- the first three, is that if you watch them now, they're, without watching a remaster, they must be horrible to look at because of, you know, the effects have changed so much. So if those effects are of their time in the 80s, I guess. Um, so then, late 70s, actually. Late 70s. Then in 40 years, these effects will look very of their time as well. So you're dating your movie before it's come out. You see what I mean? Yeah, but I think it gets to a point where what you're doing is making it it's somewhat stylized so you know i mean it, like things like the interior of the death star with big switches and you yes know, levers yeah. and stuff and that thing uh, that goes ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i want to think that goes ooh. <laughs> um yeah no the, i think that all that sort of stuff at this point i think just it's Star Wars. It's stylized yes. as Star Wars. You know, it's like the screens in Star Trek as well. You know, the screens in Star Trek Next Generation, there is a the, the Lacars interface, which is what they, you know, there, there was a specifically designed interface for the screens in that. Okay. And I think it's one of those things that you look at it and go, oh, well, that's from Star Trek. Or, oh, that's from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah there is a sure. certain style to it that I, I don't think looks dated. I think it's just, I mean, yeah, you're right. Things like CGI Peter Cushing, people will look back probably in 20 years and go, wow, that was terrible. But, yeah. you know, that that's the nature of what it is. You do the best yeah. with what, you, what you've got at the time. And they can always do what George Lucas did and goes back 20 years afterwards and yeah. remaster it. You know, And add a big, no, at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, overall, I think they did a really good job with it. It so. was fine. It was yeah. Good. I'm really looking forward to this year's one's going to be great. I'm sure. Uh, interesting yeah. to get away from the formula, do something else with it, do something good with it. Yes. And there's there's apparently some 
I don't know whether they've already happened now, but they were they were having some big kind of crisis meetings about what they do on the next one. Now that we no longer have the beloved Carrie Fisher with us, yes, of course, uh, yeah. um, because she was supposed to be a fairly large part of. Yeah, I mean, she'd she'd shot all of the principal photography for the next film. It's the film after that that they've got problems because she was supposed to be an integral part of that. And do they rework this film to sort of kill her off in some way? Do they bring her in as CGI? Do they, you know, what do they do? So there's apparently been some talk about internally about what they're going to do with that. Mm. So we'll, we'll have to see. Interestingly enough, uh, CGI Carrie Fisher, I thought was better than CGI Peter Christian. Don't know why just was. Mm. Uh, No, I don't. Because, because she's got quite, um, you know, she's like, fair skinned a little bit of blush and she's quite um smooth skinned she's got very good skin in that, that first true. movie yeah it, it, it carries more than old yeah Ricky. i mean you know yes peter cushing is fairly wrinkly there is a lot more work <laughs> having to go into that <laughs> so so yes anything else no that's it i mean we're like i said we're back on tv we're really the the sitcoms are out in force recently dave Yes, like I say, yeah. Modern Family's back, The Middle's back, Jokers is back, um, yeah. Practical Jokers is back. Yeah, uh, I think Bob's Burgers is back soon. The Simpsons is back, so yeah. I'll get some more cultural references from The Simpsons. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. that's where you get all your history from. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, well, I mean, Christmas Doctor Who, obviously, which yeah. I thought was a perfectly fine episode. I did wince <laughs> a bit when they they uh, they you know the trailers came up and they're adding a superhero, and you thought, oh my god, what are they going to do? But I, I think it worked really well. I thought it was perfectly acceptable it was nice to have it back uh should be back for a full season in well there's not confirmed a date yet but i i'd almost guarantee it's going to be easter so it'll be <laughs> april because that's when they traditionally have run it so i suspect uh-huh. that's when they'll bring back the full season so i really enjoyed that over christmas uh the outnumbered christmas special was absolutely brilliant i didn't see um, that i missed i'll go back on the i player and find that because yeah, I mean, obviously gonna... all the kids are grown up but it's it sure. just superb that as a one-off i hope they do that every year because it was just brilliant last dragon slayer which was sky i wanted to watch that oh my christmas thing uh last dragon slayer i really enjoyed uh it's the sort of family fun friendly you know thing that they did like they did with the terry pratchett stuff it's very much that sort of thing but I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I've not read the book, so I, I don't know how faithful an adaptation it was. But it, I like the the way that they develop this world, which is a kind of fantasy world, but using bits of modern technology. So, like, they do have some cars, but they've also got horse-drawn carriages, but the carriages are actually defunct cars. You know? Oh, I see. You're so right, right. They, there's, there's lovely little things like that. And it's, it's really nicely put together uh it's got ricky tomlinson in it as one of the characters as well i've I've really enjoyed it really really enjoyed it so that's well worth going to check out if you've not watched that i've Um, got a list now i've created a list of those three things post christmas sherlock as you mentioned earlier yeah they've done two episodes now of the three episodes i think we're getting this year the first one i was very disappointed in i really didn't like at all uh i I, they killed off just in case anybody hasn't watched it but they did kill off a character and i'm quite happy she's dead so (laughs) because i really didn't 
didn't like her very much. So yeah, there's there's that. The second episode I think worked infinitely better. It's got a lovely twist at the end, which Ooh. they managed to keep well hidden. So uh, I I really enjoyed the second episode. I'm looking forward to the third one of those. Um, it's th- the second episode's gone far more back to to the darker stuff that they were doing earlier on. So mm. I I really enjoyed that. In terms of new shows, there's a show called Travellers, which is on Netflix, which stars Eric McCormack from Will and Grace and various other things, but that's probably where people will probably know him from. But it's from uh, Brad Wright, who was one of the co-creators of Stargate. And it's a sort of time travel drama, mm. kind of, which you know there's a lot of those around at the moment. No way, but, time travel drama. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's, it's done slightly differently in the rather than them actually travelling through time, what they do is they have a lot of data, obviously, in the future based on things that people are putting on the internet, so... Um, and news reports and that sort of stuff. So they know at precise points when certain people die. And what they do is they've worked out a way of sending the consciousness of a person back into somebody else's body okay. just at the point that they were supposed to die. So they kind of send them back and the new conscious from the future leaps into the body of the person that was about to die and takes right. over their life. Okay. The reason that they're doing this is they're trying to stop a catastrophic disaster in the future okay so they're kind it's of heavy going, going isn't it it's heavy going um, but it's it's a really interesting idea it's really nicely acted and it's not overly sci-fi in mm. the way that it's put together you know you, you never actually see any of the future stuff like they they get messages from the future and you get the characters that have jumped into the bodies of other people but you don't see there's no like laser guns or anything like yeah there's nothing that they've not bought. so when they when they go when they go back yeah. into the people's are those now people or is that still in the future it's set in present day basically oh i see right so the in, people who are dying those are us yeah so the people that are dying are us they are coming from the future and jumping into the the um sure at the point of death, they jump in into the, the body of the person that was supposed to die. So that's the sort of basic premise of it. But yeah, as I say, I like it because of the fact that you don't really see any sci-fi tropes in it, particularly. The, it's sort of the concept is there, but you don't, because it's only the consciousness going back, they're dealing with the stuff that is, is around them. So they can't bring kind of advanced technology back with them. They'd have to make it yeah. from whatever is out there. So yeah, it's a really interesting idea. It's only about 10 or 12 episodes the first season. So I'm binge watching my way through that right now, which I, I, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Taboo, which is the Tom Hardy show, which is just started on BBC. I think it went out on Saturday, Friday or Saturday. It's from Stephen Knight, who is uh, the creator of Peaky Blinders. And that's sort of, you know, remember Tom Hardy was in the last season of Peaky Blinders as well. And I suspect this has something to do with that. Uh, It's actually written, the concept for the show was created between Stephen Knight, Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy's dad, Chip Hardy, apparently. (laughs) Oh, wow, how about uh, that? Interesting. So it's an old family thing. It's about Tom Hardy's character finds out that his father's died and comes back to London having been 
away in Africa. People believe that he died on a on a ship out in Africa, and so it's all a big shock when he kind of turns up back home. Mm. His father has less, left him a small strip of land in America, which is seemingly worthless. But the East India Company, who were the big people that controlled all the shipping and stuff, are desperate to get control of that piece of land for some reason. And it's about him basically coming back. He's kind of Tom Hardy, usual badass, and, <laughs> uh, and taking control. And yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of odd because while he's been out in Africa he's obviously slightly got a bit deranged at times so it, that's sort of interesting hard to judge on one episode but um, enjoyable enough so I, I will be watching the rest of it and it's you know it's Stephen Knight and Tom Hardy so that's you know Where, where's that? Uh, BBC One Okay, that is so there's that I've also seen a preview of 24 Legacy dun, as dun. well which is due on the uh, 15th of February at 9pm on Fox but they've uh, they sent me a preview to it so I, I obviously don't want to give anything away but it, it's really good it's basically 24 without Jack Bauer <laughs> which you don't think necessarily will work but sure um, but it's in it, it does it works Corey Hawkins and again I've only seen one episode so it's hard to judge exactly one way or another but I really like Corey Hawkins I think he's a really likeable character he's going to make a really interesting lead Miranda Watto who seems to be the sort of she's actually the ex-head of CTU but was in control of the team that Corey Hawkins was attached to so she's sort of involved with CTU Jimmy Smits is in it as well as her husband who is running for governor at the moment so uh, it's a really good cast going to be well worth watching I mean I'm sure if you're a fan of 24 you were going to watch it anyway but one to watch out for I think definitely also watch Bull which is Michael Weatherly from uh, NCIS. It's his new show. It's it's based on the life, the early life of Doctor Phil, <laughs> the, <laughs> the psychologist. Who, uh, if, if you don't know anything about Doctor Phil's history, and why would you? Uh, he he <laughs> was he actually ran this company which used sort of uh, psychology to work out which way juries were going to vote. So uh, that was how he kind of made his money. They set up this company that that looked into sort of you know helping lawyers work out which how you know how juries were going to vote and stuff so it's based around that and that's the character that michael weatherly plays it's quite similar to the uh tim roth show uh lie to me uh in in some respects he's Mm. he's not as sort of abrasive as tim roth's character was but there there are certain tropes that are very similar in both of them but uh bull arrives on the 13th of january on fox so yeah that's in a few days so i that's another one which i think is is going to be worth watching out for as well so yeah it's been some kind of interesting shows and gaming wise i've also been quite heavily gaming a couple of things planet coaster which is is basically theme park um sure you know the 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 old theme park game game kind of revamped where you build roller coasters and stuff Uh, quite enjoy (laughs) quite enjoyable um kind of played that intently for a few days and sort of solidly uh, and <laughs> and then kind of got it out of my system and I haven't been back to it since. Um, Subnautica as well is another one that I'm playing through, which you start off in a um, spaceship 
and it immediately crash lands on a planet which is essentially mainly ocean and you get kind of stuck in a life pod and it's a survival game so you've then got to go out into the sea and gather resources and bits and pieces okay uh, and you can kind of catch the fish and that sort of stuff to to eat and uh, you have a little replicator thing so if you gather certain resources, you can build things and you can build your own base on the floor of the sea and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the further out you go, you're kind of investigating how to get off the planet. There are various alien structures and things around if you want to go looking for it. But it, it's really, really good fun. I'm having great fun playing that at the moment. So that's been my latest obsession. But Subnautica, that's called. But well worth going to uh, play if you're into those sort of survival games. Um, it's nice and different because a lot of those are either escaping zombies or stuck on an here's island. Here's some zombies. Here's some zombies or, or, or you're stuck on an island somewhere, pretty much yeah. most of those survival games. And th- I like that because Subnautica's like you're in an ocean. It's a very different sort of environment. So it's good fun. I really enjoyed that. And the other big thing, of course, that uh, we announced this year was the results of the Geek Town Awards. Oh, um, it's exciting. So I didn't win, Dave. Did I tell you I didn't win? No, didn't win no, you, you didn't, didn't win the win. prizes. Did not should, win the I prizes. should say actually, at the moment, the prize is unclaimed. So, I could win the prizes. Well, you, you, no, you can't. But oh. <laughs> but at the moment, uh, I've I've emailed and emailed the person that is supposed to be the winner. Uh, I won't give out their name, but uh, the yeah. the person in who lives in the West Midlands, who is supposed to be the actually who is supposed to be the winner Wait, of it. I live in the West Midlands. It's not, it's not you. <laughs> um, it, it is a girl that lives in the West Midlands, I believe. And uh, answer your phone, lady. And uh, yeah, I've I've emailed her and emailed her, and I had one response back, and she has. I've sent her about five emails since then. She hasn't responded back after that. Oh no! So um, where's the cut off for that? What you, uh, as, well, as the adjudicator, the, the, according to the according to the rules, which are up on the website, the competition rules say she has until January the thirty first to get back in touch. If that doesn't oh. happen, I will redraw it. So it's, oh. it's so so that huge prize may still be available. So I'm, I'm not out of the running yet. Yeah, you are out of the running. But <laughs> <laughs> as somebody that, that works on Geek Town, you are out of the running. But yes, the huge prize might still be up for grabs, but uh, I'm not going to run like the competition again. I'll just pick it out of the people that entered already. So in terms of winners, though, there was a few interesting things. Netflix did very, very well. Um, yes, I noticed one, that. One yeah. best, best new non-sci-fi and best returning non-sci-fi drama because it picked that up for The Crown and for Orange is the New Black. Luke so, Cage was third in the new comic as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best limited series got, uh, went to American Horror Story over The Night Manager, which I was surprised by. That was quite close, I seem to remember. I suppose American Horror Story's already got a following, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best new comedy went to Wasted, which I am so happy about. But <laughs> that's got a huge. That seems to have a large audience behind it. And uh, over Atlanta, which of course is just won a Golden Globe today. But but Wasted, I absolutely adored. I think it's it's one of the funniest shows to come out next year. And the thankfully the public seemed to agree with us, so that's good. <laughs> uh, returning comedy series, of course, went to Big Bang Theory by a mile. So uh, <laughs> no ballers in the top three there. I know. No, no, weird, peculiar, uh, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> top three: Modern Family, Red Dwarf, and uh, Big Bang Theory. Red Dwarf got a sizable chunk of that, but. Um, 
Best new sci-fi series. Obviously, the the top two were Westworld getting silver and Stranger Things getting gold. The bronze I'm so happy about went to Limitless. <laughs> Just such a shame that that series didn't get given more of a chance because it was so good. It was so, so good. It's such a pity that there wasn't more. <laughs> you know, they didn't give it a chance to breathe on CBS. But if, you, if you've not seen Limitless, go and watch. I'm sure it must be on a box set somewhere. Go and find mm. it. It's a really funny series. Game of Thrones, of course, were on Best Returning Sci-Fi and Fantasy Series. Um, it was either going to be Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, and I think Game of Thrones... Well, you know what's to- interesting? Because I, I don't mind spoiling it, Dave. Uh, Walking Dead won the Best Returning Comic Book Series, doesn't it? And yes. um, this year, I've heard so much about how people have stopped watching The Walking Dead this year, which is really interesting, because apparently it's doing fine. Yeah. But well, I've they've, already, so many, they've already commissioned, I think, two new seasons already. So I've yeah. heard so many people say that this season lost for them. Yeah, the, the first episode, the opening episode was really good, but even that put some people off, such as Andrew, who occasionally does a podcast and he's our TV editor. Um, sure. Andrew actually stopped watching it after watching the first episode because he said, that's it, I can't take this. I'm <laughs> You know, um, so he's made uh, a decision as an audience member. He's made an active decision. I like yeah, that. I've got, but, I've got mad respect for that. Yeah, basically said this is too much. I'm not watching this anymore. So, uh, and the rest of the season was was a bit all over the place. I've got high hopes for the second half of it, but um, well, Game yeah. of Th- arguably this season, Game of Thrones was their best season, and it yeah. was after after a season that many, including me, thought wasn't very good. So. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's well-deserved the right way around. Supernatural got bronze in that category as well, which, you know, is is perfectly fine and exactly what should happen. So you know. <laughs> It's perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I love Supernatural. It's like, you know, I think it's, it's just been renewed for a new season as well. We'll get on to that. Yeah, best comic book series, Luke Cage third, Lucifer second, which I... I really like and uh, the gold went to DC's Legends of Tomorrow for new comic book series returning comic book series yeah Walking Dead won gold Silver went to Flash Bronze went to Daredevil I'm, I'm glad Daredevil made it on the list yes yeah so am I um, British TV show of the year there was some controversy about this I suspect there was a large group of fans that decided to vote together on it bronze went to humans silver went to the night manager gold went to red dwarf <laughs> I, and as much as i love red dwarf and i thought this was a definite term for form, form for this series it wouldn't have made my british tv show clear <laughs> i night manager i and even humans actually i would say were, were far better i would actually put wasted probably over over red dwarf as well which is the interesting thing one british tv show of the year but it didn't win. It didn't win comedy of the year yeah. wasted one that so you know um maybe people people being diplomatic in how they spread things out but yeah interesting anyway that's the way it went best male performance tom hiddleston night manager obviously <laughs> stephen yen got got second place yes. for basically getting his head caved in <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, i think i think everybody knows that yeah, by this point. i've so, seen it from the internet by now yeah uh, best female performance went to it was always going to go for somebody from Game of Thrones I think because um, we might as well just name these best female performer in Game of Thrones because uh, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it went to Macy Williams this year Amelia Clark got got uh, silver place Melissa McBride got bronze so yeah but I um, I love Macy she's fa- fabulous she's great um, yeah then uh, Geek Town Game of the Year uh, bronze Final Fantasy uh, silver went to Batman, Batman. Uh, Telltale Series and gold went to Uncharted 4 
Maybe so, I should have bought it, Dave. Maybe yeah, this is I, I think you should have done it. I really a sign that I've made the wrong decision. Movie of the year was Civil War, Fantastic Beasts, and the gold went to Deadpool. Movie of the year that isn't Star Wars, obviously. So okay, um, Star Wars wouldn't even be on that list, Dave. Yeah, shut up. Those are three better movies than that Star Wars movie. <laughs> You're wrong, and yeah, you you will in age you will come to realise how wrong you are. Um, so, but yeah, Deadpool, I I. I completely agree. Deadpool was a fantastic choice. Yes. Most anticipated are always interesting categories for me. Uh, most anticipated series, TV series for next year. Bronze went to Star Trek Discovery, and I, I thought that might win it, but Bronze went to Star Trek Discovery. Silver went to Prison Break. Gold mm. went to Liminally Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Yeah, um, interesting. Which is interesting. I, I, not, I mean, I, I am looking forward to it. It's got Neil Patrick Harris in it, who is genius, yes. and I will happily watch in anything. It so, looks really good, too. Um, it does look really good. I think Netflix have been very clever with the marketing of it as well. So, you know. I mean, um, it's not the Defenders, but whatever, whatever, Dave, whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I it really I, I'm looking forward to seeing if it's as good as as people think it's going to be. Yes, because the marketing's been very clever, and you know it it's got a good cast behind it. And Netflix very rarely puts a foot wrong with a that sort of show. So yes. we'll see. Most anticipated game of next year: uh, Legends of Zelda: Breath of the yes. Wind. Give us Zelda. Give us a Switch. Let's go. <laughs> I'm uh, all on board for the Nintendo <laughs> Switch. Absolutely. Uh, Silver uh, Resident Evil Seven. Zombies, gold. Dave. Again, here's yeah, some yeah. zombies. Zombies. <laughs> uh, gold went to Red Dead Redemption Two, which to me I don't is think that's particularly surprising. No, I, that's not surprising at all. Assuming it does, I mean, it, it's supposed to be out yeah. at the end of the year. Assuming it makes this year, it's always a bit of a it definitely issue. won't. Uh, it's um, definitely 2018. <laughs> I am surprised Mass Effect didn't score higher. Um, mm. And uh, South Park as well was in the uh, nominees. And yes. I, I really liked the. I loved that first South Park game so much. So I just I'm thought Mass Effect would have got more than Resident Evil. Yeah, I would have done as sure. well. But, you know. That's... Zelda obviously has a massive following. Yeah. Gen- yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2. I, I don't think that's a huge shock to anybody. Again, another game that uh, that had random zombies in it. Yeah, the, the, the expansion pack for Red Dead Redemption yes. had random zombies in it. You Very cry. weird. Most anticipated movie that isn't Star Wars next year, obviously, because it's Star Wars. But um, bronze, <laughs> bronze went to uh, TC Train Spotting. Silver went to Beauty and the Beast. Getting a lot of love for Beauty and the Beast. Yes, um, I'm very excited for Beauty and the Beast. Yes, although have you seen? There was a thing going around on Twitter today. They've released the doll of <laughs> of um, oh. Emma Watson as as Beauty and the Beast, and it, I'm slightly concerned they've got Beauty and the Beast dolls mixed up because it's. <laughs> uh, Honestly, go go and have a look. I'll go for, take a look go, at that. Go and uh, go and look for it because it's like the head's too big for the doll's body, which <laughs> may be a stylistic choice, but it looks so wrong. She also seems to be scowling, which is it's just, <laughs> just just yeah. Go and have a look. It's very weird. Gold, of course, most anticipated movie goes to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which I think everybody is definitely looking forward to. Do you know um, what's interesting about that is if you'd have asked me like two months ago when I saw this list, I'd have said probably Guardians. But now my most anticipated movie might be Logan. Yeah, Logan does look good, although... It's a really good movie. Yeah, I, it does look good. And I mean, you've got things like Blade Runner in there. You've got Justice League in there. Yeah, um, Spider-Man. New, new, Spider-Man. new Spider-Man movie. Um, Thor is in there. Wonder Woman's in there. So, uh, you know, they were all nominated, but yeah, yeah. the... 
Um, Guardians took the top spot. I mean, as, as a little movie that was sort of this weird extension of the Marvel Universe that yeah. people were going, you know, when it was first announced, the first one, and people looked at it going, really? You went to do Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy? Who are these? You, you might remember I didn't like Guardians, but uh, I've since, I've watched it since over the holiday and it's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, yes. actually. Yeah, you see, this is, a- what, this is what I mean. When it comes to a year's <laughs> time, when you go back and rock, watch Road 1, and go, yes, I was completely wrong I've, about that. I've matured and Guardians is a good well I managed to stay awake all the way through this time so that was good (laughs) solid movie yes yes it is it's a good film so uh, yeah very much it was my favourite I think probably out of the uh, recent transfer of Marvel movies so you know I'm definitely looking forward to the second one of that plus the trailer was brilliant so (laughs) Um, that's the Geek Town Awards which are ended for the next year they will be back in probably December November or December at the end of this year when you'll be able to vote for all the good stuff that you've seen in the uh, past 12 months. Now, we move on to a couple of bits of film and TV news. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Film and TV news as we return. There's not a huge amount of film and TV news around. A couple of interesting bits, which were synopsis for the return of the DC shows. So we've got Flash, which is coming back. Are you watching any of the DC shows these nope. days? Okay, so this is not going to mean a huge event. No, I'm interested in where they where they are though, because they they just keep going, don't they? They just yeah, keep yeah. on keep on plugging. And again, have all just been renewed as well. So um, yeah. Yeah, we've we've got the only criticism I would have of Flash is the fact that it's a great show and I do really enjoy watching it, but they need to come up with a decent villain that isn't just another speedster. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because yes. it's getting a bit ridiculous because the main villain has been a speedster every single time so you know hopefully they'll they'll uh, do something about that but uh, yeah the return episode which we believe is going to be the 31st of January that's going to come back we think at the moment so uh, Barry is tormented by a vision of his future where Iris is murdered by Savitar Savitar being the god of speed and uh, the main <laughs> villain speed of, bad guy uh, big speed bad guy of of this season uh and we saw the vision of him killing iris at the end of last season so he's tormented by that vision there's a criminal named plunder who shows up in central city barry recalls the visions present in the in the vision of the future and fears that if he catches plunder it will cement iris's fate confused about barry's hesitation to stop plunder wally decides to step in as kid flash because if you also remember the end of last episode he was given the kid flash costume um and caitlin apparently has offered julian a job so julian being played by tom felton from Harry Potter, of course. Um, so that's crazy, crazy. Yeah, yes, that's that's the uh, that's the 
rundown of the returning episode of The Flash. A lot of time travel in The Flash, a lot of t- time-related temporal things happening. Yeah, well, that's been the sort of whole thing of this season. And if you actually, there is a trailer for it as well, and it seems like they're going to mess around with the future, like time travel into the future and mess around with that. And you're kind of thinking, the whole, the whole premise of this season is set up on the fact that Barry created this thing called Flashpoint, where he went back, saved his mother, and it completely wrecked everybody else's um, yeah. timelines. That's the premise of the season. It now looks from the trailer for the new episode that he's going to try and go forward in the future <laughs> and, and make, monkey around with time there. And you kind of think, <laughs> just stop. What are you doing? You know, this is, you know, messing around his time has messed things up really badly. I, mean, I know you want to save Iris, but really, you know, have you learned nothing at this point? <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. Over on Arrow, if you remember, the, the end of the last episode saw uh, Oliver kill Felicity's current boyfriend by accident having been tricked by Prometheus uh, Arrow has the same sort of problem as Flash in that uh, their big bad tends to be somebody with a bow and arrow uh, so again it's, a, it's another it's another big bad which is somebody with a bow and arrow um, could you imagine if Daredevil was just every series we've got a blind guy that you have to fight like there was one yeah, blind guy that I know weapons. right yeah, so they really need to sort that out because it's getting a bit silly. I mean, okay, last season, actually, to be fair, they did have a very different vision last season. Um, but, but you know, there's always another evil archer somewhere in the in the canon of, of Arrow. So this season's big bad is Prometheus, who is an evil archer. Um, <laughs> we don't actually, I don't think they've revealed who it is yet. So Prometheus basically is trying to convince Ollie that he is actually a killer at heart. If you remember at the end of the last episode, Laurel Lance, played by Katie Cassidy, appears out of nowhere, having previously been killed in last season. So she suddenly appears to be back and we don't know what's happening with that. However, Felicity is still reeling from the murder of her boyfriend Detective Malone and is bent, hell-bent on revenge. Uh, she wants to stop Prometheus at any cost and uh, Diggle is back in prison again, having kind of got out of prison and then been recaptured. So, yes, all over the place uh, there. And uh, to be fair, Arrow's been better this season than it has been previously, but it's kind of getting a bit back to its roots, which is is good. It has been stronger this season than... Because they, they last season they went through this whole um the the illicity thing the kind of relationship shipping between oliver and felicity really started to great last season uh, okay. and i know there's going to be a load of illicity fans out there that hate me for that but but i i really did start to bug me so i'm sort of glad that it's it seems to have been back on a slightly more even keel now um supergirl the return episode is the one that's directed by brilliant director kevin smith who's made some of my favorite movies so i'm uh made Dogma, if you've ever seen Dogma. Yes, I've seen Dogma, yes. yes. Uh, Alan Rickman is really good at that. Movie. Yes, Alan Rickman is superb in that, so uh, I, I, I heartily, heartily recommend Dogma if you've not seen it. But yeah, directed by Kevin Smith this episode, it seems that Kara's going into space because Kara is moved by the story of a missing woman named Izzy, played by Harley Quinn Smith, who is Kevin's daughter. <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and decides to investigate despite Cap- Snapper Kara's order to leave it alone. Kara takes Monel with her to the last place that he was seen and the duo find themselves thrust through a portal into onto another planet uh, called Slaver's Moon where the downtrodden are sold as slaves. Leader of the trafficking ring is none other than Roulette who is a villain we saw a few episodes back. 
To make matters worse, Slaver Moon has a red sun, which means Kara and Monel are stripped of their powers and are stuck on the planet with no way home. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Alex blames herself for Kara's disappearance, feeling she's become too focused on her new relationship with Maggie and too complacent in watching out for her sister. So, yeah, lots going on there. It's nice to see them actually with, you know, Supergirl actually going to an alien planet and kind of going off world, you know. You know what's really good about that is it sounds like a filler episode where it's like they'll go to this planet, they'll sort stuff out, they'll come back, everything's going to be fine, which I I really think Netflix Marvel film, Marvel TV shows could really do with. Like I wouldn't have minded an episode of Daredevil where he just does some lawyering for a bit. And it's about yeah. that for a little while. And and it sounds like that kind of thing where it's like, we're going to do this thing. She's going to do some cool superpowers or she's stripped of her powers. So that's an interesting dynamic. And then she's going to come back and everything's normal again. That's, that's in, good. It's interesting that a lot of people tend to say, oh, long form stuff is, is much better but i think with some of the superhero things it is sort of nice to see them pulled out into a slightly different environment yeah and i guess with daredevil you've only got like 10 episodes to play with which is why they don't do it with that sure. whereas with some of them like i thought cage i thought you could wrap cage an episode early and it would have been fine there's, yeah. there's some stuff you could i could do without in that yeah i mean with uh uh, you know, with the DC shows, uh, with the exception of Legends, they're all like 23 episodes or well, 22 exactly. episodes. You've got a lot so, of room to play so with them. Yeah, so you've got a lot of room to play with them. But I, I do I do really like Supergirl. I think it's it's a fun show. You know, it's much lighter than a lot of the others. It's a really fun show. Um, Legends of Tomorrow, however, I, which I adore just because it gets more bonkers the more <laughs> the more <laughs> it goes on. Did you know, uh, it's actually uh, Geek Town's new sci-fi show of the year, Dave. Uh, yes, it is. Oh, new comic book show of the year, sorry. it was. Oh, yes, sorry. All right, my bad. New show there. I, I do love Legends because it, it gets more and more brilliantly bonkers. So the episode has Damien Dark and Malcolm Merlin, otherwise known as two of the members of the Legion of Doom, are trying to recapture Rip Hunter, or trying to capture Rip Hunter, who is currently in 1967. And as we saw at the sort of end, the coda bit at the end of the last episode, he's apparently a movie director. It also seems that he doesn't have any memory of him being, you know, a time traveller. So he's basically taking the stories of the adventures that they had in space or in time and turn them into a TV show, (laughs) which actually is the plot of a Stargate episode called Wormhole Extreme. Ah. <laughs> so so it's it's not an original idea, but, um, it, you know, it works. That's fine. So, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that. This caused a time aberration, which draws the rest of the Legends team to them. After trying to convince Rip of who he was, they discover he possesses an incredibly powerful artifact known as the Spear of Destiny, which the Legion of Doom is after. Uh, Ray and Nate realise the aberration has also affected them personally and making them difficult to help the team. Meanwhile, Rory asks Stein for help and makes him a promise to keep it a secret from the team. What's interesting in that is the the Ray and Nate storyline where the aberration, this time aberration that um, Dark and Merlin have created is affecting them personally. What I really like about this is that they've actually gone into a bit more detail explaining this. Basically, because Rip has gone on to sort of making these sci-fi movies, it somehow has affected George Lucas. And George Lucas, <laughs> in the timeline, has dropped out of film school. So <gasps> there's no Raiders of the Lost Ark and there's no Star Wars. And the thing that's, the thing that's, that's causing problems for Ray, Nate and Ray 
is that Nate was inspired to become a historian by Raiders of the Last Ark and Ray was inspired to become an engineer by Star Wars. Because <laughs> those movies now don't exist, they're losing their abilities to do uh, their job. <laughs> Which I, I think so. That's quite wonder, clever, yeah. I, I think that's really clever. And it's such a wonderful kind of out there idea that George Lucas has such a huge influence on these guys that that happened. You know, so I just really like that. I thought that was such a wonderful idea that uh, George Lucas is kind of so important to, to the history. <laughs> I think yeah. it's great. So interesting. But the, um, yeah, the, all the DC shows are due back. As for, These aren't exactly confirmed air dates, but um, as far as we can tell, it's going to be 30th of January for Supergirl, 31st of January for Flash, 1st of February for Arrow. And I suspect, although it's actually moved in the US, they've actually moved from Thursday to Tuesday and it's airing after Flash in the US. I think Legends of Tomorrow will probably end up staying on Thursday over here, unless there's some reason they need to move it to do with crossovers, but I, mm. I suspect there isn't. So uh, that should be back on the 2nd. It'll either be back on the 2nd or it'll be back on the 31st after Flash, which is what they're doing in the US, but I don't know at the moment. So that that's the air dates for those. The other news story we've got, Charmed. Do you remember the TV show Charmed? I, I don't. Okay. <laughs> the TV, yes, it might be a bit before your time, but Charmed, 90s TV show. Might have gone into the 2000s, but it's definitely a 90s TV show. Starred Alyssa Milano, Holly Marie Coombs, Rose McGowan and oh. Shannon Doherty. Rose McGowan and Shannon Doherty on at two different times. But uh, So it was basically about three witches who were sisters and them battling evil, essentially. Do, was the, do you know what, Dave? I've seen this program. I yes. lied. I've seen this program. I've there definitely seen one. I'm sure you have because it was rerun on Sky Living yes. forever. So E4 had it, I think. Did yes, E4 possibly. It? Possibly it was either them or I think Sky had it for a bit and I don't know. But yeah. So um, yeah, ran from uh, 98 to 2006. So yes, it oh, was into 2000. Then. Yeah. So um, there have been 12 when it left. <laughs> God, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> I was um, two when it started. Oh no, four. Sorry. Oh God, <laughs> you're banned from mentioning your age from now on. Um, so yeah, Charmed. Uh, they are planning to reboot it on the CW. It apparently is going to be a completely standalone series. It's not going to have anything to do with the current series as yet. That is the plan. They're also moving the time period. So rather than it being set in modern day, they're talking about setting it in 1976 for some reason. I don't know specifically why they've chosen that date. Uh, set in a small New England town in America. Still feature three witches, but there's no mention of them actually being sisters. There are some unconfirmed character descriptions going around. Two of the sisters are Caucasian and one of them is African-American, which... So, so that seems very unlikely that they're <laughs> blood related, I would have thought. Um, so it's still three witches that are a sisterhood of witches and still fighting evil. So, you know, they've uh, why they've decided to do it as a sort of 1970s period piece, I'm not entirely sure, but that seems to be what they're planning. So, yes, more witch dramas to go with more vampire dramas because they're already they're doing this TV version of Lost Boys as well is the other thing coming so they're desperately looking for things that are going to replace Vampire Diaries I think <laughs> mm. so yeah that's Charmed 
as well. That's coming from the creators of Jane the Virgin, which is not a show I've watched, but I'm told is very, very good. Um, yeah, I'm told that's good. It's the creative team behind that, same exact producers, same writers that are, are putting it together, which is also a CW show. So, you know, they've obviously got faith in them. At the moment, they've only ordered a one-hour pilot script. We'll have to see whether it goes any further from there. So that's all the bits of news this week. Next up, we have an interview. <laughs> The interview this week is with Uncle Creators, writers and directors, Ollie Revson and Lila Vandenberg. As you probably know, if you're a long-term listener to the show, we've spoken to Ollie and Lila before. Uh, we spoke to Lila as well on her own because she co-wrote an episode of The Flash as well. Have you seen any of uh, Uncle? Yes, I love Uncle. Yes. <laughs> One uh, of my partner and I's first memories is of watching Uncle together, which is weird. Oh. It's a weird memory to have, but yes. <laughs> um, yeah, third and final season is airing on BBC Three right now. There's two episodes up, I think, at the moment. We had a chance to catch up with Ollie and Lila. We talk about where we find Andy and Errol for this final season, how it feels to bring Uncle to an end, what comes next for them, what are they doing in terms of writing and stuff. I really like Ollie and Lila, and we ended up talking for a very long time. The interviews, <laughs> the interview is forty minutes long, and that's the edited version. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, they're lovely to talk to. They're really, really good fun. So here's the interview. We'll see you afterwards with some air dates. Hello. 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 How are you? All right. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. We, I mean, we finished right before Christmas. I think we finished on the 24th, basically, of December. So, um, yeah, we've been writing since June 2015 uh, is when we started. So, it was, we were, yeah, we were tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we basically went right from writing it. To, we were writing it, writing it, writing it. I left to do The Flash and Ollie kept writing it. I came back, we, we finished writing it in basically June 2016. Yeah. And then uh, went into pre-production and I immediately went away and did a con and then did a bunch of pitching and then came back and then we shot and then immediately went into post for four months. <laughs> and we finished like right before Christmas. And we were basically doing seven days a week for the last three months of that. So, um, so yeah, so, so we, lo we lost all sense of yeah. reality. There wasn't a work-life balance. What is that? <laughs> yeah, work-work balance, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but now we're good because now we're just like binging on TV that we basically missed over the last, you know, year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's now done. It's on air. Yeah. So, so uh, I've seen the first episode, which is really good. Focuses very much on babies in the first episode. Just in case nobody's caught up with it yet, it's on BBC Three. Uh, it's on after Graham Norton on Fridays as well. Yeah. It's the third and final series. Where do we find Andy and Errol at the moment? So at the end of season two, Andy found out that um, this woman that he had a, a fling with called Teresa, who's a, a, an older parliamentary lawyer, is pregnant. And Errol has found out that Bruce is going to probably be, be moving living with in, them. be yeah. living with them. So now they're both dealing with the upheaval of a stepdad that that um, Errol didn't want and a baby that Andy had not planned for. And <laughs> and sort of like we catch up with them. It's like a little more than a year after the fact. And, and Errol has sort of not come to terms with the fact that Bruce is his sort of ersatz stepdad. He's not married to Sam, but like they are living together, but he still like has not processed it properly. So he's like still kind of and, you know, Bruce is like incredibly nice, but um, yeah. he's 
trying to make a drama out of it anyway. And then Andy has literally not spoken to Teresa since he found out <laughs> that she was pregnant. Um, so he hasn't he hasn't had any contact with her or the baby in a year and a half. Um, so which is very typically Andy. And I think people were expecting we'd pick right back up and then be like sort of Andy, you know, changing nappies in the first episode. But like he's he's he can be incredibly avoidant with situations he doesn't want to deal with. So he just has not dealt with this. And, you know, the first episode is him actually starting to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about this when you were on last time that uh, you're, you're sort of forced to put in a time jump every season because Elliot tends to grow like a foot every time you see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like so, so yeah, you don't really have much option other than to put a big time jump in. I think when he was cast, he looked like one of those children that was not going to age very much. He was very small for a size and he was a very picky eater. So everybody just kind of assumed like, yeah, he'll look about 12 for like three years. Yeah, and we, then thought, we thought we had a Gary Coleman on our hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he has just sort of exponential he had a growth spurt at the end of shooting of series one and his voice was actually starting to change then and we were having to, like the last week of shooting we were having to pitch up all yeah. the rushes from that to make it match and then like between series one and two he aged a lot and his voice completely dropped yeah um yeah. and then like he's kind of being pulled this time and his voice is now literally the deepest in the cast he's got the deepest voice of any man in the cast and there's nothing we can do about that but I actually think we were very keen to get through the story quickly and like not stay in a time period too long. So like it's actually been kind of a blessing because it means like we're sort of forced to skip ahead a year. But what would have happened in that year would have been more of very similar adventures anyway. So yeah, yeah. But, yeah no, but I remember on the first day of shooting, I was thinking, well, oh, his voice sounds really, really, really deep this year. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just him getting back in the groove of things on the first day. Maybe it's just... He's just feeling like he's putting on a slight voice or something. And then as the weeks went on, I kind of was like, oh, he's not doing that voice thing he was doing anymore on the first day. But then when I got to the rushes, what happened was I just got used to it. <laughs> when I looked at the footage from the first day compared to the last day, it was exactly the same. This is on the first day. It was just like you walk into a, a room that uh, you're just not used to and then you get used to it kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's the. I think the audience probably have to go through that experience too, with like the first episode where you're like, "Whoa, what yeah. happened to uh, what happened to Errol's it's, voice?" It's so much. People like freaked out. The beginning of series two, we show like the him from the year before, and then we like cut immediately to him a year later, so you can actually just hear the change, so people can get used to the voice break. Yeah, His voice is so much deeper than it was series two. <laughs> like it's so, it's like a bass. Like he's basically this really skinny teenage boy with like, you know, like a, an ultra baritone <laughs> voice. And it's just like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like you just have to roll with it. And, and actually yeah. it's actually helped. Um, he has a lot of heavy lifting delivery wise this year. He's got a lot more lines than he ever did, like in the first series. And his delivery is so funny. And I actually think that the super deep voice helps. <laughs> and he can't really get any deeper at this point. Like it, this was the first time where he didn't like noticeably age in the weeks we were shooting or yeah. like his voice didn't break because there was nowhere left for it to go. It was like literally in the basement. So... <laughs> But you'll see, like, as the season goes on, especially sort of in episode three, and I suppose episode four, there's some stuff that we wrote for him that is just on the cusp of appropriate, uh, which <laughs> works, uh, because he's sort of, he's that much older. If, if it was like Elliot that everyone remembers from season two, it, they would be concerned and 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it, it is knowing it was knowing that that we'd probably be dealing with a, a sprouted team that we'd be able to push certain themes a little yeah. further than we did in season two. Yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely an adolescent now. It's not like an uncle and his child nephew. It's an uncle and his teenage yeah. nephew, and they're kind of like very intellectually, emotionally peers at this point. <laughs> Like episode one's, well, our experience with that from season two and season three is kind of betting in, I suppose, the themes that we're trying to going to be dealing with with season with the season, and then jumping off from there. So, so that's it's sort of like a to some extent a bit of a housekeeping exercise where we're like tying up things that we've had happen in the previous season and then pointing forwards to what we're looking to do in the, in the coming season. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, a lot of the first episode is sort of based around babies. Mm-hmm. Where n- neither of you have kids, do you? So I was no. just wondering where the inspiration for that came from. From our life, well, we're surrounded by kids as far as nephews and nieces. That's yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, and also, as people who don't have kids yet, <laughs> but who've had our friends just dropping them like they were giving them away for free around us, we've been going through the experience of people, you know, that speech of like, you know, as someone, uh, Andy meets with a friend and he goes, you know, uh, things aren't going to change, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I've had that speech a few times now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we've been through a period now where all of our friends, we're now that weird couple that has not gotten married and has not had children. Yeah. Um, and, and all of our friends who all are in the arts have all gone on to now create like very nuclear families. Like, you know, very rapidly, everybody got married and then had kid number one and then kid number two. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and just as their lives are starting to be freed up a little bit, like just as they're starting to learn how to manage kid number one, which is normally around age two or three, like they kind of get their life back and then kid number two shows up and then like they're gone again for another year and a half or two yeah. years. They're kind of reeling from the from the lack of sleep. So, yes. so we're, we, from the outside, you know, and I guess because, you know, by extension, because of all the nieces and nephews, we've done a fair amount of child care at this point, but the w- watching your friends drop like flies, <laughs> you know, because there's a sort of threshold, like you're, you kind of feel like a kid until you have a kid. So we sort of think of ourselves as kids still, but all of our friends are now parents. <laughs> yeah. So there's so there's sort of this line that they have crossed, and we're like looking at them across the abyss, kind of waving. It is also the flirt. I mean, there is also to something. There is a bit of like the flirting with the idea of like, okay, so what would it be like if we were parents? But then we keep we, like continuously while we were making the show, we'd be like, if we had a kid, this would have been impossible. Like just uh, just making the like show. Making the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it would have it's like it's hard enough like yeah our dog was really furious with us <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly she's but, like where where have you been all day but we can just give her like a bone and she'll be okay but a kid would be scarred in years of therapy which would be guaranteed anyway with us as parents but especially with this of making the of this making the season process so um so yeah so so that's where it came from really yeah yeah and Le- I, leaving a kid home alone and just sticking bowls of food out re- really doesn't tend to go that well <laughs> and, a, and a cat litter for it just to go into if it needs to <laughs> yeah. dog, we've trained our dog to go into a cat litter box yeah <laughs> sounds like the most like like inane yucky weird thing to do with a dog <laughs> It's practical. That's that's perfectly yeah, practical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we've been yeah, so she's the abused child at the moment, so yeah. we didn't have to be the abused child. 
so 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 basically a meditate it's we haven't really addressed it very much on the show before but like andy needs to start kind of thinking about these bigger things like he is i wouldn't call him mature but he's definitely starting to move in a direction of like being ever so slightly less self-centered and and some of these bigger themes like kind of birth and death and and commitment is kind of time to address what are the main stumbling blocks in Andy's life. Yeah. You know, so and, and sort of career frustration, but also like his sort of career snobbery. And a lot of the reason that he can't succeed has to do with kind of not being willing to not being willing to eat any along the way <laughs> to get there. Um, so it's so actually kind of tackling that stuff this time because we we did actually want to wrap it up. Yeah, as you mentioned that this is the final season. How do you feel about saying goodbye to the show that sort of was the thing that kind of put you on the map, I guess? I mean, it, it, the, short, the short answer is like good, but not good because it's done, but good. And it, it feels good that we've done something that has a concrete beginning, middle and end. Yeah. We always wanted it to be like that. We didn't, we didn't want to well first of all it was getting the opportunity to do it and then once we saw we got a second season and then we were going to get a third we just didn't want to overstay our welcome and to, and to tie the themes up neatly really it's also that thing of you know if we did ever do anything else with it and it would not be a series if we if it, who knows like way down way way down the line if there was opportunity, opportunity for a one-off one yeah it's the kind of thing where it's always interesting to check in with the characters and oh you know the thing with Errol growing up so quickly. I think it'll always be to some extent interesting to see where where that relationship is at, yeah, and how it's evolving. But for now, for this kind of compact, like taking it from an eleven-year-old to a kid who, by the end of it, is sixteen, felt like a very intense, distinct moment in his life. Because I think the next stage from then is probably sort of eighteen and twenty-one. But yeah, the timeline where we weren't. We didn't want to kind of look at that yet. Yeah. So yeah, so it just felt very tiny. Yeah. Really. And 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 because it's just us, there's no writers room or anything. Twenty episodes felt like enough. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're, including, you're including the pilot. Well, yeah, including the pilot, it's twenty. Without the pilot, which you know, so we did the pilot and episode one, which are the same plot, but but with changes to the script. But um, after twenty nineteen or twenty episodes just wanting to do something else yeah yeah yeah. not not wanting it to get because we're starting to repeat ideas yeah Uh, yeah we we really threw and because we wanted i guess that was the thing that was very exciting to us about writing the last season is we knew we could throw everything at it and not hold anything back so it's not that we tie everything into a tidy bow at the end but we definitely look at everything that we were interested in looking at the beginning middle and end i say like episode first two episodes is kind of first acty setting up everything and then from episode two it's very much it gets intense very quickly <laughs> <laughs> although you you're sort of saying goodbye to it what are you going to miss most living with the characters yeah it would definitely mm-hmm. miss because there's something you know when you're writing it and you don't know who's going to be casting it yet and then you cast everyone and then people then you can't imagine anyone else in those roles and then you start writing with those people in mind and you just sort of have a clarity about yeah. tone their, their voice adds to the development of the character and sort of walking around with people's voices in your head like that is is really fun. Crazy looking when people see us talking to ourselves walking down the street, but fun. And um, and yeah, and that's the thing. And the, and the, the making of the show is really very special. It is a very sort of nuclear family, and everyone. It it, it sounds horribly cheesy, but every everyone does get along. There's no. 
him. Uh, there's no sort of um, division in the crew. It, it, we don't. Everyone, every. It's a real family experience. Yeah. Everyone is is in it together. You know, it, usually on crews you get like you know uh, the sound department won't help out the camera department or you know you get like you know don't touch that equipment kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but everyone chips in. Yeah. So the, the just the making of the show is is really going to be is really going to be the thing that we miss. Okay. Let Let's flip that around. What aren't you going to miss? Ha. The, the hours. The, yeah. We're not going to miss the schedule, you know, having to... The writing schedule, I have to say, wasn't that bad for TV. Like, we were getting a month, an episode, yeah. essentially, which is fine. Um, we've definitely heard it worse. But um, the shooting schedule is pretty horrible. Um, I think our page average was sort of eight, around eight pages a day, which is... Which is not yeah. reasonable. It's not a reasonable amount. And sometimes it was nine pages a day. Wow. I think yeah. that was 12. But yeah, so that, so that was unpleasant i think we were shooting we write our scripts long and not that we don't cut scenes really from them at all but we write 36 37 page scripts knowing that they'll then come down to yeah um hopefully around 29 minutes and right. in the edit right. we we cut a lot of air out in the edit but that air is not um dialogue it's just literally air right. between lines to credit create like a snappy pace um, yes. and ahs. Yeah. yeah all the ums and ahs come out so and we want that so that it doesn't feel like it drags so any place where you feel there's like kind of a slow pace that's intentionally put in yeah. rather than kind of like oh we had to fill up the time and and we didn't have any more runway yeah I mean, but, the, but the, the fact that we have those long scripts means that you know it's sort of an extra ball like getting it all into the can but it's good because it means you can cut jokes if they don't work yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's useful it's useful for that so definitely won't miss that side of the schedule and you know it, it's never easy you know, we've had great support from the BBC, but, you know, we are still making the show on, on BBC Three budget levels. So yeah. you feel squeezed at, at yeah. every point. The, thing is- the, the budgets are smaller than they were like in the 80s for comedy. <laughs> wow. I think the other thing is it doesn't take into account if you're doing a comedy drama. So it's like a, a half hour comedy drama is not half the budget of an hour long drama. Yeah. It's it's like a much reduced budget because for some reason they, for some reason they assume comedy doesn't have the same production values. Right. So, so if you have an ambitious idea, if you want to do anything visually ambitious, it's very difficult to get it done. Um, It's very difficult to employ the right visual team for the budget range that you're given. Yeah. Um, Which tends to make comedies aesthetically have a particular look. And then everybody says, Oh, comedies, you know, are not very good looking. They're sort of like, just shut your eyes and listen to the writing (laughs) because there's nothing to look at but it's also very hard to kind of mount an ambitious production yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep trying um we don't make it easy for ourselves though is the thing as well because we frequently gone into episodes going like right this is going to be a bottle episode and then it just ends up like blatantly not being, mansion or not being a bla- <laughs> you know it's got like seven locations so the thing is it's like we definitely test the limits of what we can do on the budget that we're given and we could have made things a lot easier for ourselves by writing a lot more contained yeah. You do also have the music video stuff, which mm-hmm. it, it sort of does go on certain flights of fancy as well. You managed to get an animation into the first uh, episode as well. Where, where did that come from? We've been, we've been talking about that for a long time. Like, how do you get 20 fresh looks out of, um, <laughs> you know, you're doing music video after music video and you need to keep changing the genre of the music and you need to keep 
making it visually different and interesting. And that was one thing that we hadn't done before. And I actually hadn't done an animated music video before, period, even prior to Uncle. And that was always something I had wanted to do. A lovely director that I've known for years, Tom Brown, partnered with me and did the animation. And he uh, is like a multi, multi award winning animator. And um, a short that he did last year with his animation partner won uh or maybe this was two years ago. One South by Southwest. Right. Um, yeah. And he's got he's got like loads of of accolades, and he's a huge Uncle fan. And he'd been saying sort of from like series one, like you ever need any animation? <laughs> and so we kind of put that in the back uh, of our skulls and thought like what would be appropriate and when. And then when we had sort of this episode with this theme, and Nick wrote this beautiful song. It's actually one of my favorite songs it's done. I think it's Nick's favorite song that yeah. he's done. Yeah. It's a great song. It, it seemed very appropriate for animation. It was, yeah, especially because on our music video budgets, it, it kind of wanted a little bit more scope than we would be able to yeah. do just shooting in one room or you know, the way we usually shoot our videos. So uh, with animation, we could have larger scope yeah. of, yeah. of yeah. you know, have if it says like there's a, a meteor hitting the earth, we can actually have a meteor. meteor. Hitting the earth. <laughs> and, and, and also we did. That was an episode where like we did actually have a lot of like children and babies. And that was probably our most difficult day is like the, the gorgeous baby in the scene with Shelly. Yeah, that was twins. And we wrote we we had to do the math because we're like, OK, we showed Shelly pregnant in series two <laughs> and to do the math to like what exactly age that kid would be. And it's 18 months. Yeah. And like what we forgot about 18 month year olds is that's basically a baby who yeah. can't listen to direction, but can walk. And pick things up. So we literally picked like the worst age because once they get it to be sort of toddlerish, you can like tell them like don't do that or come here. Yeah. But you can't tell an eighteen month old anything. They won't <laughs> listen to you, and they're not like a docile baby that can sit. No. We had two eighteen month old twins that also had like never been apart, and we would try to like put one in a scene, and then the other one would be off camera and sort of weeping inconsolably because he'd been separated from his twin and said no. He was still alive. Um, <laughs> and then we had like an eight or nine year old. Oh, lovely wow. little girl. Daily, yeah. um, she was like the best. She is like the most professional actor we've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody will tell you that. Like she was really on her sh- this little girl. And then we had, yeah, we just wanted, we kind of wanted to go through, it was a little bit like uh, a Christmas Carol. So he was sort of met the baby, the child, and then the talk with Val is kind of the adult parent from the other side, kind of talking about having a grown child. Right. And yeah, we, yeah. to, we kind of wanted to, to go through all the ages yeah. for Andy to get kind of the full experience of what parenting would be like. I picked up on some of that, that sort of Christmas Carol kind of right. stuff. On it. I, I, I really like that. In lieu of ever doing a Christmas episode yeah maybe you can come <laughs> back and do do a christmas special that uh, yeah that'll be one of the things you do like when you know errol's off in college or something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly I'm like your wall-to-wall music like a musical so out of the three seasons is there one particular standout event that comes to mind you mean like uh sort of a turning point for everything yeah oh, just uh, either a favorite moment or a turning point or just like the most interesting thing uh yes the thing is season three has there are episodes i love in the first two scenes but season three has episodes you're the most of your favorite episodes the most of my favorite episodes yeah. of 
of all the series. I really like episode one, but as we, as we sort of build the plot more as it goes on, um, yeah. things get... So, yeah, so um, I'm trying to think how to not spoil, but yeah, there's... Episode four is like... I think... I'm not going to talk about the plot of episode four. Yeah. Um, because I think that it'll be spoiled um, by things that happen in three, but episode four does not take place in linear order. So right. it's, a, it's the, the whole episode is told out of time, which I think is interesting what what yeah, we decided yeah. to put it in it's not in chronological order but it's in like emotional narrative order right okay that makes okay. sense um yeah. and and uh six and has a very different feel to yeah to it's like totally really different than like if that was the first episode of uncle that you ever watched you'd think the show was a drama um, <laughs> right, okay. not a comedy. uh and then i think six i really love six and i really love seven episode six goes from the first 10 minutes are essentially a kitchen sink drama like a two-hander play yeah, and and then the second act is a fantasy. Yeah, like high fantasy. Okay, set in the Middle Ages. Um. <laughs> but like, but like, basically, I went crazy to certain point, and I was like, I really just want an episode of Uncle that's like fan fiction, like that's like an, like an AU Uncle fic universe, and we did that. And it, and it basically is like all the characters recast as fantasy characters. And, and we, yeah, yeah, it ties into the plot. Like it's it, it's not just like random. Like yeah, it actually yeah, yeah. makes sense by the time you get to the end. Um, and people, I think that'll that'll be like marmite. Like people will either be like on board for it, or they'll be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so, what, what you're saying is you wanted to write on Game of Thrones and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like obviously series one, I think had very high stakes because there was the custody trial going on. And we didn't know if we didn't know if the things that Andy did were actually going to affect whether Sam could keep Errol. So I yeah. think like that whole courtroom thing in the last episode is a, like a really stand up moment for me. I think series two, you know, like Nick has said in some interviews, is more about them going on different adventures. And there's maybe not as much of there's like him losing his flat in his car, but there isn't as much of a kind of a high stakes yeah. situation going on in two. Because, yeah, no, because the way I think of it is like season one is sort of about them cleaning up the past. As in, you know, they, they're estranged and they don't yeah. know each other. So sort of cleaning up that second season is dealing with the present of then, where yeah. their relationship is, how it's evolving and very much day to day. And then season three is is the future. future. Which, yeah. which, again, sort of the stakes get a bit higher in series three again. So um, some of the, the, the high stakes of one with the, the various adventures of two. I think I... I fully believe and not because we're just tooting our own horn but i we actually genuinely think three is the best series like i think the writing is more sophisticated i think all the cast knows their characters very well at this point and so there's been like a little bit of a distillation of like the characters are becoming a crystallized yeah. um it's not, it's not cartoony it's not sort of like series 10 of big bang theory cartoony yet. Yeah. but you know like i think everybody's got a really good handle on the personality of their character and we did in writing it and i think there's the most kind of variation or diversity of types of episodes we, we wish people yeah. could binge yeah. on it i think that would be the best way probably to do it yeah. but um i'm sure hopefully people will do that once all these series episodes are aired and they'll just do it but um it, i think it works really nicely that way but yeah no we're we're very happy with it yeah. So now that's all done. What's next? Huh. What's going on? Uh, we're watching Young Pope. Have you started watching Young Pope? I've I've seen a few episodes. I've got to get back to it. But yes, I have seen a few episodes. It's very good. We've we've seen two episodes and we actually don't know what's going on. We're like, what is this? And then we're watching it. 
<laughs> like it's that feels very it's interesting because I'm gonna like sit on Oliver and make him be quiet for a minute so I can like fan out on you about <laughs> the fan stuff that I want to talk about. But like what's really interesting about Young Pope and I, I think I know what this is, but I've seen a lot of people from other fandoms, like women especially, have like descended on Young Pope, like in the last like couple of weeks and are actually like watching it before it's even released in America. Like like I saw somebody on my timeline say like, Oh, I had to get the transcripts for the <laughs> Italian versions and then translate it so that I could like follow along like that's how badly people are kind of getting into it and yeah. I think by its very nature it feels like an AU fic of something else and it, it's sort of appealing to people at sort of like a weird id level like what if you could be the Pope but also like a sleaze bag and <laughs> like off and smoke cigarettes which I think is kind of genius like pitching a show it sounds bonkers like so like yeah, uh, yeah. A friend of mine said on Twitter, he goes, this seems like one of those fake trailers at the beginning of Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I did Laura of the Pope. He's not a, a phrase yeah, I ever thought you'd say, you know. And then I'll email last night. I was like, there's a lot of diffusion in this. It looks like, kind of looks like an 80s softcore porn. And he's like, it's like an Emmanuel movie. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like a whole thing shot like a weird Italian exploitation yeah. sex comedy <laughs> or something. <laughs> But it's all kind of working. It's kind of working. I don't know. I'm gonna keep watching it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. So we're. Um. But yeah. So, but but the. You know. What are we doing? No. What are we doing next? Oh. With us. But we're. Yeah, we're gonna talk about what TV we're watching. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. We're, yes. uh, we're, but the next thing. So yeah. So we're writing an hour. I mean, the next thing is to try and just push ourselves and extend our scope. I know Lila's sort of natural. I've got, with another writer, I've got a project in development in the States that's um, half hour genre, kind of action comedy drama. I don't know how much more I can say about that. And it will be on a, one of the digital VOD channels. Okay. Um, and But I cannot say which one. And then I have a screenplay that I'm writing for another of the digital VOD <laughs> channels. Um, and then a couple of other things in sort of softer development. And then Ali and I have a couple of dramas that we're developing here. One, which is period, multiple time periods. In fact, it's a multiple time period, like super, think like super other end of the spectrum from uncle, hopefully comedy elements to it. But, um, but it's an hour, it would be an hour long multi-generational set. And one time period is the mid eighties. And the other time period is the early 1900s, like 1904. Okay. And, uh, very political. uh, Yeah. Hopefully. But so it's one of those things that uh, you go in with uh, way too many ideas and ambitions and uh, we're just sort of distilling it down. So it's just in the end, just a good story. Okay. Uh, but, there's, uh, but there's, yeah, so there's a lot of scope in that. It's kind of a multi-generational look at how a family ended up where they are from where they came from. But hopefully the 1980s has some reflection on how things are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, then, but we don't have to f- deal with mobile phone inserts. So what people don't realize is like, I don't know if people have noticed this, but like uncle has more phone conversations in it. (laughs) It's like the X-Files. There's so many like people on phones and the phone became like literally like the 
fourth largest character. <laughs> and people don't realize that Uncle actually has a VFX budget. And that VFX budget almost exclusively went to fixing phones, like <laughs> inserts, like the time on phones, like erasing the brand name of phones. It was such a nightmare. And like, or like, or like the text wasn't large enough to read, so it has to be resized. Yeah. yeah. They hate phones because it's 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 one of those things where at the end of every season I'm like okay next year we're gonna fucking find a way of making phones easier for ourselves but the thing is on the schedule it's always put last so it's always like okay let's get the rest of the scene and then we'll just do the phone stuff yeah. so then you're rushing to get the rest of the scene as it is and then you literally have like not exaggerating or two minutes yeah and they're like right just grab the phone put it here and like you don't have time to like fix anything this <laughs> <laughs> is uh, such the bane of our existence it's, uh, it's like really dull stuff that uh that uh, when you get to the edit you're like oh god <laughs> and like, did, we, did we fix every phone has every phone been fixed yeah um so um but yeah so anyway but that's that's not the only reason we're doing it is setting something in the 80s but that's uh will definitely uh, be that's a, nice... a, a huge motivating factor <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, no new uh, jetting off to the Flash or anything like that. I don't know how much I can say about the new genre project, but it it would be shot in America, and it is it is superhero related, but not it not related to the Flash. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, but it, I think it would be an interesting show because it has a lot of underrepresented and underserved characters are the leads okay. rather than okay. the side characters. If that makes sense. Cool. It's um, good. It's very good. Without being, he cute. say he can say that because he literally had nothing to do with writing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice. It's we can, very nice. Just read something. Um, the writer it. of Uncle has endorsed my. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, and and actually, like, I mean, the thing is with us watching all the TV, like, it's a huge relief to get back to watching movies and TV because it's really hard to fill the well. Yeah. Creatively, yeah. when you're not ingesting any yeah. entertainment, yeah. you're just like making, making and like yeah. literally like have no time to go see new movies. So let's come to that question. What other than the other than uh, the young pope? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what else are you watching? We've just finished Atlanta. We finished Atlanta, which, which, which I think is a masterpiece. I think it's the best Amer- new American show that was made this year. Well, I say this year. I mean 2016. I think that's you know it, it is one of those shows that shows you exactly what's possible on a half hour comedy drama in fact it's only 22 minutes long and it and it manages to have a really a depth of feeling and a scope and it's incredibly cinematic and very political and also really funny and all the actors are very good like even very tiny supporting actors are like where did this like everyone's just like oh my god like are these like local atlanta like <laughs> Amdram people like where are they getting all these people that are amazing um and also we always because we always on the show we like we always say like the nice thing from going from channel four to bbc is that we got an extra sort of six minutes to play around with and that gave us a chance to play around with sort of more dramatic themes and all that yeah kind of yeah. And, but then you look at atlanta and that's like 22 minutes you're like well that's they do it in 20 minutes they have i feel but, like they have a sparser character set and a sparser you know and it's like a lot of one and two hander scenes and like a, they have set a pace that's leisurely but it's just really cinematic like i think it's really beautifully shot and i love donald glover anyway so anything he yeah, does i'm yeah. kind of on board to see but um i think that was a very well realized and the tone was that sort of weird kind of this is a sitcom but it's also like a david lynch film yeah. tone isn't like anything else on tv yeah. 
So um, I just watched um, a French series called it's uh, the French it's ten percent uh, with the English title is uh, the English title is called Call My I think it's Call My Agent. Anyway, it's on Netflix. Um, right. Right. Six hour longs, I think, and it was really good and not in like an entourage like sensationalizing it. It was really about the characters who work at the agency and their relationships together. And then the, the showbiz stuff is there, but it's not foregrounded in an uncomfortable yeah. way. I thought that was really good, and the writing was really good. So that was that was really. He good. watched it in French. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need the subtitles. I didn't uh, have that one. Show off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think you'd get the real humor of it just reading the subtitles. I think you really have to listen to it in the original text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it sounded I, so hipstery right now. <laughs> I just wanted to say because I'm going to force this on you now, Dave, that my other favorite show of the year, apart from Atlanta, was Yuri on Ice, uh, which is, are you are you familiar with this, Fagley? No. Do you, how much anime do you watch? Not a lot. No. Okay. Um, so Yuri on Ice came out very late in 2016. I want to say it didn't come out until October or something. I, maybe I'm wrong about that, but... but uh, Basically, like when the the year 2016 looked like it could do nothing but but, but be sort of a garbage fire yeah. to the very this wonderful show came along, which is an anime about male figure skaters. So it's <laughs> it's a sports anime, and the figure skating stuff is all really technically accurate and really beautifully animated. But then it's also got a gay love story, and like in this really wonderful kind of super supportive universe where there's no homophobia. <laughs> the world was like such garbage that all these people latched onto this show. Um, and it got this huge fan base really fast. Like I just heard from somebody that like, I think the DVD has only been out for a couple of days and domestically in Japan, it sold like 50,000 Blu-rays or something, which is like unheard of for like a wow. DVD nowadays. And it's just very delightful fandom. And then what I've realized now is because Voltron's about to come back, it's all the same people that were into Voltron. So like, <laughs> they're like, oh God, what am I going to do now that you're in Ice is over? And then they're like, yay, new Voltron. Um, so, so I'm excited about the new Voltron, obviously. Um, the, uh, we watched Barracuda. That was good. Oh, Barracuda was really good. Um, it's an Australian swimming drama. That was really good. It has a really grim ending, but it was still <laughs> good. It's like, it sets you up for kind of this, uh, what you think is going to be, uh... Don't, don't expect to have an American ending is what I would say. Like, <laughs> right. I think there's some tropes from American shows about sort of like success. underdog success stories that you will, if, if you're watching with those kind of eyes, you'll be preparing yourself for that. And that's not where it goes. It goes to what an Australian friend of mine said, a very Australian TV drama trope place in the last right. episode. So be prepared for that. But that was very good. Very good cast. You should probably kind of finish... Yeah, wrap, yeah, wrap, up. Wrap, wrap up the interview all right well uh, thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much we, so this is airing this is going to be airing fridays after graham norton on bbc one yeah um, but it's also playing on bbc three which is iplayer yes and everything is there so series one and two are both on iplayer at the moment as box sets yeah. And um, and series three is coming out week a uh, week by week, um, so people who have not ever seen Uncle can start now. <laughs> people that want to get caught up have access to everything. Also, the series two DVD is coming out, and series three DVD is going to be coming out pretty soon. Cool. It's all going to be on iTunes as well, so people won't be able to moan about not having access to Uncle anymore. <laughs> it's literally going to be everywhere. Um, yes. And I I just wanted to say, like in interviews, we focus a lot on Nick and Elliot because people always ask us about 
about their contribution to the show, but I just wanted to give kind of like a shout out to Daisy Haggard, who I think is the third musketeer. Like she is actually doing a lot of heavy lifting on the show yeah. and has sort of great, amazing comedy and drama chops. And, we, and also we write her, some of the hardest. We dialogue. write, we, we give her like all of the monologues and all of the like <laughs> info dump information, which she has to say really quickly. So I just want to give a shout out to her because I think she does an amazing job and doesn't get all the attention that yeah. I think she deserves for and never complains, by the way. <laughs> um, but I just think she does an amazing job. And, you know, and obviously the the rest of the sort of lead supporting cast, like Nick Burns, Con O'Neill, uh, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Sydney, Ray White, and um, Brett Goldstein, I think you know, cause they're, they're in a lot of the episodes. Mm. I think people kind of forget and they're like, Oh, this two hander between a nephew and an uncle, but the ensemble is so strong. Oh, also Jim Whelan. But the, yeah, um, but the third, this season, the third series is it, the most ensemble. So, so ensemble. Yeah. Like it's like a proper kind of ensemble family comedy. I hope people give them some love on Twitter, I guess yeah. is what I say is like tweet, tweet through I mean, I did people tweet con all the time being like, Val's really hot, but um, <laughs> I hope people send some nice messages to, Daisy and to Daniel and the rest and just tell them because I, I just think they're, they're all so strong and lovely. Yeah. Daisy's great. I uh, She was in episodes as well, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah, and her character's so different in episodes. She yeah, plays yeah. This, you know, as somebody who's originally from Southern California and like all of my rep is out in LA and stuff and like just, that's so funny type of women. Like, oh my God, that's so funny. And like that, <laughs> their face, totally immobile. It's so real. Like, like there is like a million women out there like that. I'm like, this is, I didn't know she was English when I first saw no. episodes. She was American because I was like, that is damn accurate. Yeah, brilliant. Really, really good. I really like Daisy So and they are it, it is a great cast. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. It should be really okay. good. Yeah. Wonderful. Hope, hope like yeah, we'd love to you. hear your thoughts. Yeah, especially well, when you get episode yeah. six. Tell us whether we've lost our minds or whether Yeah, we, we want to know what 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 genre <laughs> people actually think of this this fantasy episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely looking forward tell, to that. Tell this us if we jump the shark in the final <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're nearly at the end. It doesn't matter if you junk the yeah, shark. I mean, the shark one episode before the end is totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, as as always, it's a pleasure talking to the pair of you. So Thank you. I I shall hopefully get to talk to you again when you've got your next thing out, whatever it happens yeah. to be. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely chatting, Dave. Brilliant. Cheers. Bye. 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 That was the interview with Lila and Ollie. You can get the first two seasons of Uncle on the iPlayer and the third season is airing Sundays on BBC Three on iPlayer and on BBC One's on Fridays after Graham Norton. They're very good. There were some shows that Lila mentions towards the end of that interview, just in case you want to find any of those. Yuri on Ice, which is an anime about gay ice dancers, ice skaters. Amazing. <laughs> I think she mentioned it was on Netflix. It doesn't appear to be on Netflix UK, but it is on a site called crunchyroll.com, which appears to be a legal streaming anime site not having done anime i don't really know but you can find it on crunchyroll.com uh, voltron um is on netflix that's a season two that's due on january the 20th uh, barracuda which is the australian swim team drama that is on the iplayer and young pope i'm sure most of you know is on sky and uh, sky box sets so you can get it on there those are all the shows they talked about and now we have some air dates <laughs>
Air dates this week. No confirmed cancellations as yet, which is a good way to start the year. Um, <laughs> Fury nils though, which is good. Uh, Man in the High Castle got renewed for a third season, which is great. As we mentioned earlier, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl and Legends have all been renewed. Supernatural is renewed for a new season as well, which puts it on something like 13. Cra- <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has got another season and Jane the Virgin has got another season. Um, one of the casualties of, of this looks to be Frequency, which which is running on Netflix every year. It's a CW show because CW announced all these renewals. Um, Frequency is probably going to end up getting cancelled unless something desperate happens. Mm. Um, there is a slight glimmer of hope in that they have a deal go- for it to go out on Netflix in the US. And if it suddenly gets a huge spike in download numbers on Netflix, then maybe they'll keep it. But at the moment, it seems very unlikely. It's a shame, really, because I've been watching that. It's quite good. It's only 13 episodes. They didn't give it the back order. So, uh, And No Tomorrow as well is the other show, which I don't think they had over here at all, that looks like it's going to be cancelled. In terms of changes, obviously we've been off for a few weeks, so there would be a load, but I've just <laughs> picked out a few of them. Star Wars Rebels, for those which we were talking about earlier, for yes. those that hadn't realised the second half of season three started on Saturday. So you can go and find it on download and stuff now on Disney XD. So, and that will be running the rest of this season as well. So that started on 7th of January at 9.31 randomly. <laughs> Disney XD. Is it good, Dave? Have you seen that? Star Wars Rebels, yeah. Have you, have you watched any of them? No, I haven't watched any it's of them. Well, well worth... If, if you are, like, there, are there references? Will I be like, ah, it's that guy? Uh, there are some, and you will recognise some characters characters certainly but yeah it, it's it's good and uh, they've they ran a trailer for it which seemed to show a fight off between obi-wan and darth maul as well oh interesting so yes because in the animated universe darth maul got resurrected so in fact in the larger sure. In the larger Star Wars universe, Darth Maul did get resurrected. So sounds yeah, good. <laughs> well, worth, well worth going to watch if you've not seen that. Um, Air Crash Investigations. If you're into that sort of thing, season sixteen. 16- we're referring to this as the, honestly the, the, I think it, they might be referring National Geographic over here I think refers to it as season 15 I think but it's it, whatever is the next latest season there's some confusion between the numbers in the UK and the US but yeah that's coming to National Ge- Geographic on the 23rd of January at 9pm uh, Sleepy Hollow is back for a surprise fourth season I don't think anybody was entirely sure whether that was coming back or not because they killed off one of the lead characters so uh, that's back for a fourth season in a slightly revamped format and uh, to partly I think reflect that they've moved the channel over here it's moved from Universal across onto Sci-Fi which are are both owned by Universal so it sort of makes sense it's a sister station so I think it will fit better on Sci-Fi as well anyway so Sleepy Hollow season four is moving on to Sci-Fi from the 22nd of February at 9pm that so uh that's where you can catch that um there is a show coming called ssgb which is set on the premise that germany won the battle of britain Uh, it's an adaptation of a novel follows an american journalist involved in a murder so the little bit of a man in the high castle about it we don't have an exact Mm. date for it but it sounds like that's coming in february to bbc one it's only a mini series that but i'm quite looking forward to that it could be quite interesting quantico season two seems to be coming on the 2nd of march at 10 p.m to 
Alibi, so that looks quite good. I really enjoyed the first season of that. And uh, The 100, again, don't have an exact date for it yet. It's going to be back later than it, it has been previously. 100 looks to be returning in April. The, uh, this year on a4 so that's to be confirmed but that seems to be where they're aiming it right now next week on tv we have the goldbergs season yes. four that's uh back on the 10th of january at acm yeah more sitcoms yes so uh that's back on the 10th of january that's the goldbergs blue bloods is back uh, for its seventh season on the 11th of january has the world's greatest acting moustache that happens to be attached to <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's that's back on the 11th of january at 9 p.m on sky atlantic that's bluebird season seven you've got sneaky pete which starts on the 13th this is a show that i watched the pilot for ages and ages ago it's one of those things that uh, amazon piloted yeah, and, I thought I'd heard of it. Yeah, uh, so the first episode's been up probably for about 18 months now, but they finally got around to finishing the full season. Show about Conman, played by Giovanni Ribsy, who steals the identity of his cellmate as a way to avoid the Wrath of the Furious mob boss series played by Brian Cranston. It's actually Brian Cranston behind the scenes. It's his show which he developed. It's called Sneaky Pete. It's coming to Amazon Prime on the 13th of January for good. its entire first season. The first episode, the pilot episode, is actually up and has been, as I say, for about 18 months. Really worth going to watch. I really enjoyed it. So it's one, I go go and uh, go and pick that out. It's on Amazon is it, Prime. Is it like funny or what's the, what's it, the, is it like heavy or what's the? No, it's not heavy. It's comedic. It's drama. Definitely. But there are comedic elements to it. Okay, I sure. Would say. So, yeah. Bull, season one of that, which we were talking about earlier, that comes to Fox on the 13th of January at 10pm. That stars Michael Weatherly as Dr. Jason Bull, and it's inspired by the early career of Dr. Phil. So that's Bull, 13th of January at 10pm on Fox. Bob's Burgers, back for a seventh season on... Bob's uh, Burgers, Dave. Comedy Central, that is on the 13th of January at 10pm. That is a a great programme. Everybody tells me that's a great programme, and I still haven't got around to it yet. So good. (laughs) It's like it's kind of like Archer, but lighter, I guess. Right. Okay. Because Archer's quite blue. It's less blue, but still some very clever jokes. Okay. Cool. I I I really need to start looking at more comedies because I yes. or more animated stuff as well because I don't really do enough of it. Is this, I think he's the same guy who does Archer. The voice is the same there guy. There might be, yeah. I think. Carry on, anyway. Limony Slickets, a series of unfortunate events. That's coming on the 13th of January to Netflix. Uh, winner of a Geek Town Award. <laughs> do we know if that's uh, the whole thing or if that's week? Is that the whole thing? I think that's the whole thing because it's, a, it's Netflix. It's, it's a Netflix original series that it's not like a co-production with somebody. It's a... Right. It's all Netflix. So I suspect the whole lot will be dumped on then. Patrick Warburton starring as Limini Snicket and Neil Patrick Harris playing Count Olaf in that. But uh, 13th of January, that is. Uh, so uh, one to look forward to. And there is a supernatural drama on the 15th of January called Falling Water, which starts on Amazon Prime. It's about three strangers that share the same dream apparently don't know any more about it than that it's called falling water 15th of january on amazon prime light. yeah it sounds a bit like sensate the um netflix series Mm. but i I don't know so we'll see (laughs) and i think that's everything 
this week, which is going to be a, a monster of a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So unless you've got anything else you'd like to add? No, that's it. I'll report back on Metal Gear. I'm sure I'm sure I'll get back into it. I'm sure. Yes. Probably. Maybe not, though. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. So that's everything for this week. If you want to find more information, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk, leave a message on the website post, find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, or on Instagram at Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.